We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 743 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Thursday, January 18th, 2024, and our good friends, the Dallas Cowboys, they are keeping Mike McCarthy as head coach. Uh, What had been considered a foregone conclusion off the Cowboys' 48-32 home loss to the Green Bay Packers this past Sunday in the wildcard round of the NFL playoffs. The Cowboys firing McCarthy is not happening. Statement from Cowboys owner, president, and general manager. Yes, he is all three. Jerry Jones (laughs) on Wednesday night, quote, I believe this team is very close and capable of achieving our ultimate goals and the best step forward for us will be with Mike McCarthy as our head coach, end quote. And to that, every Commanders fan says to Jerry, thank you. (laughs) Hello and welcome to this Thursday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. It was in January 2020 that the Cowboys hired Mike McCarthy as head coach and the Redskins hired Rod Rivera as head coach. Uh, well, Ron has spoken. Uh, we on Wednesday afternoon via a piece on ESPN.com got Ron opening up about multiple regrets that he has as commander's head coach. I'll discuss and have some scheduled fun with what Ron had to say later in the show. But our focus is on the commanders of the now. Uh, they are in the midst of a head coaching search. And so next segment, we're going to chat with our uh, X's and O's gangsta commanders analyst, Mark Bullock of Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.substack.com. And we're going to do some compare and contrast. Detroit Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson versus Houston Texans offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick. Los Angeles Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris versus Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald. Film breakdown style analysis of these guys, all of whom are reported head coaching candidates for the Commanders. What stands out? How these guys compare? It is on Thursday that the Commanders reportedly are interviewing Raheem Morris. It is on Friday that the Commanders reportedly are interviewing Ben Johnson. Also on the show, we'll talk college basketball. Maryland lost at Northwestern 72-69 on Wednesday night, despite 6-1 point guard Jameer Young going off 36 points, including 28 in the second half. Andrew on Wednesday night had Virginia defeating Virginia Tech 65-57 at John Paul Jones Arena in Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, One quick thing before we get to some feedback. Uh, As we in the Washington, D.C. area have snow on the ground and frigid temperatures, uh, we do also have this. Major League Baseball on Wednesday released the first workout dates for teams for their spring training camps. Yes, spring training is not far away. Uh, Nationals pitchers and catchers will have their 
first workout of 2024 spring training on Valentine's Day, February 14th. Uh, The Nats' first full squad workout will happen on February 20th. Orioles pitchers and catchers will have their first workout of 2024 spring training on February 15th. The Orioles' first full squad workout will happen on February 20th. Never forget the irony of spring training. The majority of it happens in winter, not spring. The first day of spring is not until March 19th. MLB's winter meetings technically take place in the fall, and MLB spring training camps happen mostly in winter. Go figure. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Matthias on what we talked about on Wednesday's show, episode 742, Tuesday afternoons, introductory press conference for Adam Peters as Commander's General Manager, a presser at which we also heard from Commander's Managing Partner, Josh Harris, writes Matthias, we now are two for two on Josh Harris press conferences in terms of him leaving the three Lombardis in their trophy case. Didn't know you were allowed to do that. (laughs) Just kidding. So refreshing. Uh, Thank you for the email, Matthias. Uh, Yes, the team's three Lombardi trophies have not been on display uh, during these recent press conferences. Uh, Now, personally, I was never that bothered by the team when owned by... Dan Snyder uh, displaying the Lombardis at press conferences. Yes, Dan had nothing to do with winning those Lombardis, but you also could have taken the displaying of the Lombardis as a means of acknowledging the team's past. And if you really want to get technical, there in recent years have been people with prominent roles in the team's front office who were meaningful players in winning those Lombardis. Think Doug Williams, think Martin Mayhew. So I actually was never that bothered by the uh, displaying of the Lombardis, but I get the sentiment. And there is a larger phenomenon here, and that is humility. Uh, What we are continually hearing from Josh Harris is humility. He constantly acknowledges that the team has a lot of work to do. If you remember his initial press conferences and officially buying the team last July, he talked about being nervous, about needing to do well As owner of the team, he talked about losing sleep over all that he needed to do in order to do well as owner of the team. And that kind of talk has been refreshing. That kind of talk, by the way, is straight out of the playbook of the greatest head coach in team history and in Washington, D.C. sports history, Joe Gibbs. Uh, Joe, at his peak in the 1980s and early 1990s, was a master of under-promising and over-delivering, of talking up an opponent, basically saying how he had no idea whether the team could win, and then smashing that opponent. Under-promise, over-deliver. As one of our country's former presidents, Teddy Roosevelt, famously said, speak softly and carry a big stick. That was the Joe Gibbs way. Uh, But it would appear that the Joe Gibbs way also is the Josh Harris way. And it's worth pointing out that Joe and Josh are business partners. Uh, Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment last June became a minority owner of Joe Gibbs Racing, and Joe Gibbs last June became a limited partner in Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment. Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment is the company that was founded by Josh Harris and David Blitzer in September 2017, is the parent company of the Josh Harris Sports Portfolio beyond the Commanders. So things like the Philadelphia 76ers and New Jersey Devils. This gets a little confusing, but Josh Harris's and David Blitzer's involvement in the ownership of the Commanders is as individuals as opposed to via Harris Blitzer Sports and Entertainment. Uh, But anyway, the Joe Gibbs way, almost always a good way. Uh, Email from Stanley Evans on the commanders hiring Adam Peters as general manager and perhaps being on the verge of hiring Ben Johnson as head coach, writes Stanley, what a time to be a Washington fan. We went from a graveyard to a kingdom overnight. (laughs) Galdi, what's causing all this? Harris knows what he wants and gets what he wants. Hiring Bob Myers was genius. Seems as if Ben Johnson was already in the works by hiring Rick Spielman. Dan Snyder, you are definitely not missed. Enjoy your $6 billion. LOL. Uh, Thank you 
for the email, Stanley. Well, I'm sure that Dan is enjoying the uh, $6.05 billion that uh, he received slash is receiving for the commanders. As we have discussed, Josh Harris hiring Bob Myers and Rick Spielman to be on this advisory committee that he announced the day after the team's 2023 season ended certainly seems to be at least in part about Myers' connection with Adam Peters and Spielman's connection with Ben Johnson. Uh, Myers, as former Golden State Warriors president of basketball operations and general manager, has had a relationship with Adam Peters for years. And Rick Spielman's brother, former Lions and Buffalo Bills linebacker Chris Spielman, a big-time force in the Lions front office. Uh, He is a, a special assistant to Lions president and CEO Rod Wood and is a chairperson, and uh, yes, as the great Ric Flair, the nature boy, likes to ask, what's causing all this? And we always want to know one thing, what's causing all this? (laughs) Thank you, Nate. Uh, Email from Kim on my wife, who's a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan, and who watched her team get ripped at the Buffalo Bills, 31-17 on Monday in the wildcard round of the NFL playoffs. Writes Kim, please tell Mrs. Galdi that I am sorry for the Steelers' loss. Uh, Those Bills, what a game. I would be interested in hearing if there was or is a quarterback controversy between Mason Rudolph and Kenny Pickett. I think that it's Rudolph's job, even with this loss. Hope that you enjoyed the snow days. Maybe your son can ask for a snowblower for Christmas one day, all under the landscaping umbrella, you know. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for that, Kim. Yes, my six-year-old son, very into landscaping work. He on Tuesday morning did help me shovel the snow, uh, although he then left the shoveling to me and uh, went sledding with his three-year-old sister. I was like a member of the commander's secondary after giving up a touchdown bomb this season, looking around and saying, hey, what happened? Where's the help? Uh, I was Benjamin St. Goldie on Tuesday morning. Uh, Anyway, yes, there now is a quarterback controversy for the Steelers, I think. Uh, Kenny Pickett did not have a good season. This off a pretty encouraging 2022 rookie season. I wondered whether we might regret the commanders not drafting Pickett who the Steelers took with the number 20 overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft. But Pickett this season was worse than our QB1, Sam Howell, who, of course, was taken in the fifth round of the 2022 draft. You look at ESPN's total QBR for the 2023 regular season, Sam finished 24th out of 30 qualified quarterbacks, Pickett 27th. Kenny Pickett over 25 NFL regular season games and 713 regular season pass attempts has a mere 13 touchdown passes. That is terrible. Not all his fault. The Steelers have had a lot of offensive problems in recent seasons, but geez, 13 touchdown passes over 25 games and 713 pass attempts. Well, neither the Commanders nor the Steelers are playing in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, but we this weekend do have four glorious games in that round, a whole lot of opportunity to make money via Underdog Fantasy, which offers daily pick'em games that are super easy and fun. Just correctly pick whether certain players in each game will go higher or lower given totals, and you win. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports, and it has a terrific offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $100 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code Galdi and to make a first deposit of at least $10. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Underdog Fantasy also offers a season-long fantasy with a zero-stress scenario of no waivers, no trades, even no lineup setting. Take advantage of the free money from Underdog Fantasy. If you sign up now with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI, Underdog Fantasy will double your first deposit with up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least $10. So in other words, if you deposit $100, you get $100 for free. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use the promo code GALDI. 
must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and must be present in a state in which underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE. And why? And in Tennessee, call 1 800 889 9789. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, please consider following the podcast if you're not already doing that. Following the podcast is free. If you have an iPhone, you can follow the podcast simply by tapping the plus sign in the upper right corner on the page listing the recent episodes of the podcast. The commanders cannot begin in-person interviews of head coaching candidates until the conclusion of divisional round playoff games this Sunday, January 21st. But the team has been conducting virtual interviews of head coaching candidates. And these virtual interviews now can include new commander's general manager, Adam Peters, the hiring of whom was officially announced by the team on Monday evening. The commanders on Thursday reportedly will interview Los Angeles Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris and Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. The commanders on Friday reportedly will interview perhaps their number one target In this head coaching search, Detroit Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson, whose Lions are home to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this Sunday afternoon at three in a divisional round game in the NFL playoffs. Uh, Also this weekend is the Houston Texans at the Baltimore Ravens Saturday afternoon at 4.30 in the weekend's first of the four divisional round playoff games. We have yet to hear of a scheduled head coaching interview for the Commanders with Texans offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick, but it was on January 8th, the day after the Commanders' 2023 season ended and the day on which managing partner Josh Harris fired head coach Ron Rivera that we had reports of the Commanders having requested permission to interview a number of head coaching candidates, including Bobby Slowick, who was a low-level assistant for the Redskins for the 2010 through 2013 seasons. I am very pleased to welcome back to the podcast Commanders analyst Mark Bullock. Uh, Mark, during the Commanders' uh, oh-so-wonderful 2023 season, uh, was a regular guest on this podcast, and he's good enough to be continuing as a regular guest in this ultra-important Commanders 2024 offseason. Mark is exceptional at talking Commanders from an X's and O's standpoint. He also is a Commanders fan, but he does tremendous Commanders film breakdowns. You can read Mark's work on his Substack, Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.substack.com. He puts up multiple posts per week. He has written for The Athletic and The Washington Post. You can follow Mark on X at Mark Bullock NFL. Uh, Mark, before we get 
to the head coaching conversation. First time that we've spoken since the commanders hired Adam Peters as their general manager to run football operations. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, it seems like it's um, pretty much the, the number one candidate across the league and, and just kind of impressive that they've, they've managed to land him. Um, I, I, I don't know too much about his background. Obviously, I've, I've done the research everyone else has done where he stops at New England and and Denver and, and won Super Bowls there and obviously helped build up this, this 49ers team and, and it seems like he was quite a significant part of that behind the scenes. Um, so it, it seems like a, a very exciting hire. Um but obviously, like all GMs and, and scouts and stuff, there's going to be hits and misses. So it's um, it's going to be a case of uh, probably too early to evaluate exactly how well he does. Um, the head coaching hire is going to be the, the first thing to see how well he does. And then it'll be, you know, how how does he go about attacking the offseason and, and who um, who gets, you know, who gets let go, who they might want to bring back. And, and they have to think a few years ahead and, and think, well, we've got some free agents next year. Do we want to get those guys locked up and that kind of thing? So there's a lot of stuff on his plate right now. Um, and, and obviously the, the first and foremost thing is the, is the head coaching hire. Uh, yes, the commander's head coaching search. Uh, unlike the head of football operations search, the head coaching search is not moving at warp speed in large part because of this rule that uh, in-person interviews of head coaching candidates cannot happen until the conclusion of divisional round playoff games this Sunday. The divisional round of this NFL postseason includes two head coaching candidates uh, for the commanders who are offensive coordinators, Detroit Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson and Houston Texans offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick. Uh, We on last Friday's show, episode 739, got your breakdown of Johnson. Uh, You on your substack have put up a breakdown of Slowick, who orchestrated a masterpiece with that Texans 45-14 win over the Cleveland Browns this past Saturday in the wild card round. Uh, What stands out to you about Bobby Slowick? Yeah, it's it's very, very Carl Shanahan. Um, And and obviously, he's been under Carl Shanahan and that Shanahan system for a while now. Um, We obviously know he was in Washington on that infamous staff of of 2012 and 2013 um, as a defensive assistant, but obviously on on the staff. Um, And... Uh, he's followed Carl to, to San Francisco and then kind of built his way up there and, and now he's in, in, in Houston. And, you know, the the staples of, of what Carl Shanahan does are, are all there. And I think I said, said it was fairly similar with, with Ben Johnson, but um, because the, there's a lot of philosophical things that Ben Johnson does that Shanahan does. But um, Stoic is very much, uh, uh, I don't want to say a Shanahan clone because he has his own twist on things, but. Um, you see all the staples. You see that that wide zone, set up the bootleg, set up the screen, set up the deeper play action pass stuff. Um, and and Slowick has gone to Houston, and he's tried to implement that same thing. Um, he's had a few issues with. Um, they've had some injuries on the O line, and some of their offensive linemen are, are better suited to gap scheme stuff than than that zone stuff that that Kyle Shanahan runs. Um, so he, he's adapted a little bit and used a little more gap schemes um, with like powers and counters and, and, and stuff and duo and stuff like that. And he's been smart enough to kind of adjust how they go about the play action game by, you know, if they're going to run more power and gap stuff, then your play action fakes can't be zone fakes because otherwise they'll know that, okay, they're not actually running zone. They're, they're faking it. So they'll then fake the, the power and gap stuff and, and, and that can actually benefit them sometimes because there's no better run key than a guard pulling to the opposite side of the line. That's a pretty huge run key. Um, so that can actually help them with the play action stuff and then get those linebackers to bite up. But he also, he's really detailed with it. So um, the best example I can give is that they'll fake a, a, a counter play to the right where they'll pull the left guard and he'll go to the right side of the line. Um, and they'll do that in that direction specifically to get the linebackers not only to bite up, but also to go across to the right side of the line, which opens up the window to the left side for where they want to hit that, that drift route, that strike route, that slant route, whatever you want to call it. Um, they call it drift in that system. Um, and so he, he opens up not only the distance between the linebackers and the safety for that intermediate part of the field, but also the specific window he wants the quarterback to throw the ball into. So, 
Um, I think he's done a really, really good job of setting up CJ Stroud for success. When, whenever you watch any kind of CJ Stroud highlights, I'll, a vast majority of them are on play action passes. Um, and, and that tells you that the system is, is setting up the quarterback to be successful. So um, I think there's a, a lot to like about what Bobby Slock has, has been doing in Houston. Um, and obviously, you know, he's doing it with a, a quarterback taking second overall, which could well be the situation here this year. No doubt. And there is the obvious connection of Adam Peters having worked in the San Francisco 49ers front office from January 2017 to this month, and Bobby Slowick having worked on the Niners coaching staff for the 2017 through 2022 seasons. But the reporting is that the commanders are expected to go hard after Ben Johnson. He does appear to be the team's top head coaching candidate in the way that Adam Peters was the team's top head of football operations candidate. But when you look at Ben Johnson versus Bobby Slowick, does one guy impress you more than the other guy does? Should one guy be more desirable to the commanders than the other guy is? In terms of pure scheme, um, they're both very good and they're both quite similar. I would say Ben Johnson is probably just a year ahead of where Bobby Sloak is now, which is understandable because he's a year older and he's been the offensive coordinator in, in Detroit for another year. So um, they, they were able to build on that system for next year. Um, so he's just a year ahead in terms of the, their offensive system. Um, but like I said, last time we, we spoke with, with Ben Johnson, he... He's not in that Shanahan tree, but I had to look up and make sure that he wasn't because it's a very, very similar style of offense. So um, there's a lot of the same, you know, running to set up the play action, um, using skill sets of, of guys to um, with packages and layering plays on top of plays to um, to attack defenses. So um, from kind of all the similar types of looks that Shanahan does, so that. It's quite a similar system, um, so I, I could see them going for either guy. I guess it would more depend on which guy in an interview proves to be more of a leader and, and a guy that can get the locker room to buy in. And, and I couldn't tell you who that is. I, I've seen both of them in interviews, and they both seem uh, Ben Johnson seems like maybe slightly more charismatic, while uh, Bobby Sloak is maybe a little bit more reserved. But um, I mean, that could just be in the media that that. Who knows how they're actually like in a locker room and, and in front of their team. So um, it's hard to say. You just touched on this. Neither Ben Johnson nor Bobby Slowick has been an offensive coordinator for long. Uh, this is just Johnson's second season as Lions offensive coordinator. This is just Slowick's first season as Texans offensive coordinator. Is the lack of offensive coordinator experience concerning? Yes and no. Um, obviously, you'd like to have seen them work with a number of different QBs and a number of different players and, and, and show the ability to adjust with, with different systems and different personnel. Um, and, and But, I mean, you kind of got that with Slowick, where you see, like, he was a guy that under Shanahan, they, they were mostly zone-based, although they did have some gap stuff, but... They've gone, he's gone to Houston this year and he's got a young quarterback and, and they've had some offensive line troubles and, and the personnel there is more suited to gap scheme stuff. So he's been flexible enough to adjust that kind of thing. Um, and, and Ben Johnson, I, I, you could say probably the same thing for where he doesn't he, he does kind of prefer, prefer those gap scheme stuff, but against certain teams that try to take that away, he will switch the zone quite happily and, and, and there's plenty of zone stuff in there. So um, I think both are, are, are pretty flexible. Um, obviously, Ben Johnson's done it for two years as opposed to one, so maybe you give him the edge in that. But at the same time, the the head coaching job is a different job from what the offensive coordinator job is. Um, and, and there's a lot more behind-the-scenes stuff involved in terms of, you know, you have to set up the practice schedules and, and deal with the media every day and, and handle any little story that might break out and, and make decisions on, you know, this guy's not good for our locker room. We, we need to get him out and, and, um, and all those kind of things. So uh, there's, there's more to being a head coach than just being an offensive coordinator. So it, it's hard to say, you know, you want more experience because you could go to any number of offensive coordinators that are more experienced that haven't been head coaches and, and all of them still wouldn't have been a head coach. So um, then you have to go down the retread kind of argument and, and you're talking about guys that, oh, well, they failed elsewhere. What makes you think they can... They, they'll succeed here. So um, 
yeah, it, it, it's a tough one because the head coaching job requires so much more than just being a, a good play caller. There, of course, are many ways to do offense in the NFL. But man, the Shanahan way more and more seems like the best way. Is that how you feel? I definitely prefer that way. Um, that, that's the system that I've kind of grown up learn, learning football in and, and, and um, studied most football with. And, and throughout the 10, 15, however many years I've been doing this now, I, I, I know that system better than others. And, and I've seen it spread across the league and everyone's trying to copy what they're doing. So... Um, and if if you haven't hired a Carl Shanahan guy on your offensive staff, then or a Sean McVay guy, then then you're still certainly trying to steal from what they're doing um, conceptually. So um, yeah, it, it for me is is the best system in the league right now. Um, I, I guess you could talk about guys like Andy Reid, um, but you see quite a lot of the Andy Reid tree go elsewhere and struggle um, outside of being with Andy Reid. Um, so. Uh, for me, I think the Shanahan system is the one that is best replicated by the guys that leave Shanahan's wings and, and go fly themselves. So, um, yeah, I, I, that's the system for me. Much more with Mark Bullock in moments. We're going to next talk about Raheem Morris. Uh, hopefully, you never have to talk about having been harmed by the negligence of someone else or someone who you care about having been harmed by the negligence of someone else. But if such a scenario presents itself, always know that the great law firm of Paulson and Nace is there for you. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Ace has won millions of dollars for clients and was just named as part of U.S. News and World Report's Best Law Firm's 2024 edition. Paulson and Ace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C., and West Virginia. Paulson and Ace fights for victims of all kinds of situations, including victims of errors made during diagnosis, during surgery, or with medication, victims of injuries caused by dangerous medications or medical devices, as well as defective auto parts, victims of accidents involving cars, trucks, bikes, or motorcycles, victims of deceptive trade practices and false advertising, heck, victims of shady lawyers. If your attorney acts in bad faith, is unethical in his or her counsel, or is negligent in his or her work, you could have a claim for legal malpractice. Paulson and Nace has represented corporate clients throughout the region. Attorneys Chris Nace and Matt Nace, they are experienced trial attorneys who are not afraid to take cases to trials. And that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wrong but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You could also visit paulsonandace.com. That's paulsonandace.com. Just don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. More now with Commander's Analyst Mark Bullock of Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.substack.com. The Lions' win during Super Wild Card Weekend was a 24-23 win over the Los Angeles Rams this past Sunday night. Uh, ben Johnson's offense in the first half was great, but in the second half was not so great. And the Rams' defense that the Lions were facing was coordinated by Raheem Morris, who also is a head coaching candidate for the Commanders and, of course, was with the Redskins years ago. He was the Skins' defensive backs coach for the 2012 through 2014 seasons. Uh, you on your Substack on Monday put up a breakdown of Morris, who has been endorsed big time by two other former members of the Skins' coaching staff, two former Skins' offensive coordinators, San Francisco 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan and Rams head coach Sean McVay. Each has said that if he had to hire a head coach this offseason, he would hire Raheem Morris. Uh, Kyle, of course, worked with Adam Peters with the Niners. What do you make 
of Raheem Morris. Yeah, well, I th- I think Raheem Morris is one of those guys where it, you take the other stuff of being a head coach, you, you kind of ignore the scheme stuff, and, and you take the, the leadership qualities and, and um, getting guys all on the same page and, and um, getting everyone to buy in and believe in the direction and and I culture with, without wanting to repeat the Rivera phrase but the 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 direction that you want the team to go and the, and the way you want the team to be built I, I think that Raheem Morris is probably the best candidate for that type of stuff um, from all reports you hear and this goes back to when he was in Washington it, on that same 2012 staff and um, and even before that you hear that he's just this fantastic person that everyone that meets likes and, and um, he's got great energy about him and, and um, Sean McVay explains how uh, he helped him on and off the field. Obviously he helped him on the field with being a defensive coordinator and then helping him adjust certain things and, and, and that stuff. But there was, there's been articles written about how McVay explains that he was going through some dark spells after their, their Super Bowl win and, 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 was struggling to find motivation and, and stuff like that. And, and Raheem Morris was the guy that went and checked in on him and, and said, hey, come on, we're, we can get through this. We're, we're working through it together and, and got him going again. So, um, yeah, I, I think the leadership qualities of a guy like Raheem Morris is what makes him the most appealing more than anything else. And obviously, the scheme is there. Like, you don't be a defensive coach in this league for that long um, if, if you don't know what you're doing. Um, and so he knows what he's doing and he's shown some great flexibility. He's been under a lot of different trees. He's, he's worked on both offensive and defensive side of the ball. So he has a great wealth of knowledge um, and um, he knows how to work to his personality. He does some great stuff scheming up with Aaron Donald. Um, and obviously, when you have Aaron Donald, it, it, it makes things a lot easier. But it's not like he just says, well, I've got Aaron Donald on, on the defensive line. I'm just going to let him rush and, and everything else will sort itself out. Like he... He exploits having Aaron Donald, and, and when he knows, um, he he knows ways to scheme up Donald one on one, and he knows ways that when the offensive line is going to try to slide towards Donald and then and try to get extra hands on him, he knows how to bring blitzes off the other side and overload the offensive line and get pressure that way. So, um, really good scheme, but I think even better as as a leader. It's funny you referenced the uh, way overused graphic of Skin's 2013 assistants who have become head coaches or at least head coaching candidates like Bobby Slowick. That graphic never includes Raheem Morris, I guess because his initial stint as an NFL head coach did not go well. Uh, He was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach for the 2009 through 2011 season. So before his time with the Skins, his uh, regular season record as Bucs head coach was not good, just 17 and 31. But 2009 through 2011 was a long time ago. Would that at all factor into whether you would hire Raheem Morris as head coach? Um, I wouldn't necessarily be dismissive of it, but it, it was a long time ago. Um, like we're we're not we're not judging a head coach off of what they did ten, fifteen years ago. Because um, if we were doing that, then Ben Johnson and, and Bobby Sloak were in their twenties and probably not coaching. They were probably still playing college ball. So um, you're not judging them off that. Like obviously there is the whole retread argument, but um, the situation in Tampa back then could have been not a great one and, and um, I mean I, I'm a I'm a Manchester United fan and I know what the Glazers are like as owners so and then Tampa Bay is obviously owned by the Glazers so um, I, I can speak to them not being the greatest owners to try to work for so I, I can only imagine the kind of situations he was put in um, and the tough situation he, he would have been in there so um, I don't put too much weight into that um, he's, he's been around the league been around a lot of a lot of very good minds, um, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. Um, and I think he, he's got the kind of personality and, and the connections around the league where um, he could bring in uh, probably the best supporting staff. He could probably hire the best staff around him to help him do better than what he did with the Bucks back in 2009, 2011. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be too worried about that. We on last Friday's show, in addition to your breakdown of Ben Johnson, also got your breakdown of another commander's 
Head coach and candidate Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald. We earlier did the Ben Johnson-Bobby Slowick compare and contrast. How do you view the Mike McDonald-Raheem Morris compare and contrast? Yeah, so the personality stuff it, it, and the leadership stuff is, again, hard to quantify. Um, I, I would give probably Morris the edge on that from what I've heard about Mike McDonald. I, I don't think I don't think McDonald would be bad at all, but I've just heard so many good things about Raheem Morris. So um, the leadership and the personality as a head coach that I think would give the edge to Morris. But in terms of defensive scheme, um, I I do prefer what Mike McDonald has done with the Ravens. Um, He's probably had a little bit more talent than than what, well, obviously he doesn't have Aaron Donald. um, So that that kind of balances this thing out. But in terms of an overall roster of talent, uh, you would say probably the Ravens is, is more talented. Um, but he has done so much more with that talent. Like the Ravens have, have been probably the best defense in the league. Uh, uh, if not, they're, they're one of the top five in pretty much every category that you can rank. So um, I, I think there's some crazy stat, like they had as many interceptions as touchdowns allowed this year. I think they had something like 18 interceptions and allowed 18 touchdowns. So they, they are an incredible defense, and then schematically they're fantastic. And I, I went over the scheme last time we talked, but... Um, yeah, it, it's a it's a system that I think if if you're looking more at system than head coach personality kind of stuff, uh, I would give the edge to to McDonald's. But but obviously the the leadership and that kind of stuff will be, plays into it too. So Morris kind of leads out in, in that regard. I want to get your take on this. So if you go by DVOA, defense adjusted value over average, the great metric concocted by. NFL analytics pioneer Aaron Schatz, what is, in my opinion, the best measure of per-play efficiency in the NFL. Three of the top six teams in the NFL in total defense for the 2023 regular season got ripped during Super Wild Card Weekend. Uh, the Cleveland Browns, who were number two, the Dallas Cowboys, who were number five, and the Pittsburgh Steelers, who were number six. For years, we saw great defense routinely beat great offense in the NFL postseason. But what now has become an undeniable trend is great offense beating great defense in the NFL postseason. I mean, the Texans' blowout of the Browns really was something. People raved about this Browns defense during the regular season. And not only did the Browns defense struggle at the Texans, it got embarrassed at the Texans. Uh, To me, this needs to be factored into the commander's thinking moving forward, that building up the offense is more important than building up the defense. Yes, you want a good defense, but there are limitations, even with a great defense. Uh, What are your thoughts on all of this? Uh, Well, I think just philosophically speaking, it's easier to win games with a fantastic offense than a fantastic defense. Because if you're a fantastic offense, you can always just go and outscore what the other team does. Whereas if you're a fantastic defense, you've got to stop them doing anything and you're still relying on the offense to go and make some plays and score some points. So philosophically, yes, you you offense is, is more of a priority than defense. But um, yeah, in terms of the, those big defenses getting shredded, I, I think that just comes down to really good game planning by the offenses. Like we saw... Bobby Sloak against that Browns defense, he, he knew that Browns defense is really aggressive. And, and Jim Swartz is one of the guys that um, the Browns defense coordinator, he, he uses that wide nine scheme, which is known to be aggressive against the pass. But it's also a scheme that was originally invented to stop the wide zone scheme, which is obviously the, what that Shanahan system is known for. Um, so, yes, they did run some wide zone stuff, but they lean, lent into more of the gap stuff where instead of trying to push those defensive ends wider they would, or, or try to get the whole line moving, and that's really tough to do against those defensive ends that are so wide. Um, they would use the gap stuff where they would work more inside and they just allow a, a guard to pull and kick those guys out and, and use the hole inside. Um, so it was really well game-planned. Um, they, they used their aggressiveness against them and they destroyed them with play action. Um, and... You saw the same with um, with Ben Johnson's lines in that first half against the Rams. The, the Rams were a little bit too aggressive, and, and they 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 shredded them. So, um, yeah, it, it, those those good defenses you can kind of get carried away with how good a defense is in the in the regular season because it all depends on the opponents. Um, 
you can quite often get through a regular season playing teams that aren't that good. Like um, the Steelers made the postseason because Mike Tomlin's an amazing coach, but they they played like hardly any good teams, and then and the few good teams they played against, they they lost. So um, that once you get into the regular season and uh, into the postseason, then you're playing just good teams, and and that's when. Um, the real test kicks in. So um, that's why, like, last year when we were all talking about Washington's defense being a, a top 10 unit, like, they definitely improved at the end of last year, um, last year being 2022 rather than 2023. Um, they, they improved and, and looked like a good unit, but um, I think had they come up against some stronger offenses, we, we would have seen that there was actually still quite a lot of weaknesses in there. Um, and obviously that was exposed this year. Um, so... Uh, yeah, it, it's it's a tough one, um, but yeah, ideally, you know, philosophical standpoint, you, you lean more towards offense because if if you have a fantastic offense, you can always just lean on. Well, we'll just go and outscore them. Another philosophical question for you: uh, Which hire ultimately matters more for the Commanders, the hiring of Adam Peters as general manager or the hiring of a head coach? Yeah, philosophically, the the. The higher-up guy matters more, so Adam Peters is, is the guy that's going to matter more um, because he's going to be the one evaluating the talent, drafting the talent, signing the talent, and, and keeping the talent, um, and he's going to be doing it for a specific system that he's going to be kind of handpicking the coach to, to run that system, and, and so um, he's going to be drafting players for those coaches, and obviously the coach is going to play a big factor, but um, like it, it's not like... If they hire Bobby Sloak and then they go and draft a bunch of guys that fit the Sloak Shanahan scheme, it's not like if Sloak fails that they can't then go and try to hire another Shanahan guy. They, they, they could then just turn around and be like, okay, two years in, Bobby Sloak's not the guy. We can just go and hire uh, the next Shanahan offensive coordinator that's not being allowed to call plays. Or uh, like Clint Kubiak is currently on that staff and, and he could well end up being the guy that replaces Bobby Sloak in Houston, and, and, and so he could be the next guy. And um, You can find guys that, that run similar systems, uh, but um, you need the guy that's going to be evaluating the talent and, and acquiring that talent and, and keeping that talent under wraps in, in Washington. Commander's analyst Mark Bullock of Bullock's Film Room, which you can find at markbullock.substack.com. Mark, thank you, and we'll talk soon. Of course, All right. The Commander's super important 2024 offseason is just getting going. Uh, So much is happening. So much is going to be happening. Make sure that you're listening to this podcast. And if you're on Instagram, make sure that you're following at WSH on the daily. Uh, WSH on the daily. It just started in 2021 and yet has nearly 24 and a half thousand followers and is literally daily. The page is updated every day. News notes, reports, photos, graphics, uh, all kinds of good content lately on Adam Peters and on the commander's head coaching search. Uh, WSH on the daily is a page that properly sources and vets its news and information, doesn't just post anything that anyone says. Uh, WSH on the daily is a great place at which you can converse with other commander's fans regarding the team, the draft, free agency, and trades. Uh, WSH on the daily responds to every single DM. Uh, WSH on the daily is a page at which you can have fun, including the contest Name That Redskin and Free Wallpaper Wednesday. And WSH on the daily always has a great fresh look. If you're on Instagram, check out at WSH on the daily. And check out at WSH on the Daily's online shop, WSHonthedaily.com. Some outstanding gear, shirts, hoodies, excellent material, modern look, and the clothes come with all kinds of looks. Uh, Some of the more popular shirts are those with the phrase, fight for old DC. For smart, informative, fun, and engaging Commander's content, check out at WSH on the Daily on Instagram. And for great merch, visit WSHonthedaily.com.
Well, it was on Monday morning, January 8th, that Commander's managing partner, Josh Harris, announced that the decision had been made to, quote, part ways, end quote, with head coach Rod Rivera. We now have truly heard from Ron for the first time since that firing. I say truly heard because, as you may recall, the commanders on January 8th did put out a statement from Ron, but Ron's first true public words since being fired by Josh Harris came out in an ESPN.com piece that came out on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, The piece was by Commander's Insider John Keim of ESPN. Uh, Three takeaways from that piece. Number one, Ron in the piece said that he still wants to coach in the NFL and is open to being a defensive coordinator. He reiterated that he enjoyed serving as the Commander's defensive coordinator off him firing (laughs) defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio on November 24th. As you may recall, Ron in his dying days as Commander's head coach did talk about how much he was enjoying serving as defensive coordinator, even though the Commander's defense was still terrible. But uh, said Ron in this piece, quote, sometimes you do have to take a step back. You take a step back, you learn and grow from it. It's like I told other players, if you look at this year as a lost year, you're hurting yourself. You should look at it as a year to learn and understand why things happen. This is probably the greatest learning experience I've had in a while this year. I mean, a lot of things came to light at certain times this past season that I think going forward will really help me. End quote. Uh, I don't know that Ron is going to have a uh, piping hot market for his defensive coordinator services, but he has been a good defensive coordinator in the NFL. That is true. Uh, Ron was the Chicago Bears defensive coordinator for the 2004 through 2006 seasons. The Bears NFL rankings in total defense per DVOA for those regular seasons were number nine in 2004, number one in 2005, and number two in 2006. Uh, Ron was the San Diego Chargers defensive coordinator for the 2008 through 2010 seasons. The Chargers 2008 and 2009 defenses were not particularly good, but their defense for the 2010 regular season was number seven in the NFL in total defense per DVOA. Uh, Now, Uh, 2004, 2005, 2006, 2010, a long time ago. But in fairness, Ron has been a good defensive coordinator. Second takeaway from this ESPN piece on Ron Rivera, Ron in the piece made it clear that he regrets the coach-centric approach with Washington. Uh, Ron, in his dying days as commander's head coach, hinted at this. Ron, in this piece, flat out said this. He said that at times, quote, stupid stuff, (laughs) end quote, would be brought to him and that it, quote, made no sense, end quote, that those things were brought to him. Uh, Ron declined to specify what these things were. Would not say what the stupid stuff was. Uh, But he did say, quote, I would have loved a different model just because in hindsight, now you really see how much more time you spend on personnel and as a coach. That's not necessarily what you want to do. What I really enjoyed more than anything else the last five weeks was just being right in the middle of everything. Now your only focus is just that one thing. That's what you do. You want to teach. End quote. Uh, The ESPN piece indicated that the coach-centric model uh, was something that was thrust upon Ron, as opposed to Ron having demanded the coach-centric model. That is something that I've wondered about. Did Ron, in his negotiations to become the head coach of the team, demand player personnel control, or was player personnel control just uh, given to him uh, by our then-owner of the team, Dan Snyder? Uh, Because as you may recall, the coach-centric model was like this new selling point, this new toy uh, for Dan at the time. The ESPN piece indicates that the latter was the case, that the player personnel control was just given to Ron by Dan. But, you know, nobody forced Ron Rivera to agree to the coach-centric approach. And Ron certainly had no problem accepting the pay for the coach-centric approach. Pay that is believed to have been between $7 million and $8 million per season. And the belief also is that Ron, when he became the team's head coach in January 2020, got a five-year contract. 
so he would seem to have another season of that pay coming to him. Uh, And then a third takeaway from this ESPN piece on Ron Rivera, Ron in the piece admitted regret with quarterback Sam Howell. Quote, I took a big gamble. I put a lot on Sam and I probably shouldn't have put as much pressure on him. And I think that was probably one of the mistakes I made this year. He didn't deserve to have that put on him. He's a good young quarterback, has some talent and some ability, and I think that's something I should have backed off on. I should have kept emphasizing he was going to be the guy that got the first opportunity. Just phrasing it that way would have taken a lot of pressure off of him, just kind of that he hadn't been anointed, end quote. <laughs> uh, I have to laugh while reading that, my friends, uh, because what that was, was one last shot of Ronnie's. Yeah, one last instance, one last episode of Ronnie's. Ronnie's, what we call the language of Ron Rivera. A language in which what is said today stands only for today, because the exact opposite may be said by Ron tomorrow. Let's review, shall we, the Ronnies with Sam Howell. Ron Rivera took Sam Howell in the fifth round of the 2022 NFL Draft. Ron didn't even want to start Sam, didn't have enough faith in Sam to be the starting quarterback for the commander's meaningless regular season-ending game against the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field in Week 18 of the 2022 season, though, of course, Sam ended up starting the game due to Taylor Heineke not wanting to start the game, and Sam played well in the game. Then, (laughs) Ron, just days later, was telling offensive coordinator candidates that he was positioning Sam to be the QB1 for the 2023 season. Then, Ron, last March, signed Jacoby Brissett as an unrestricted free agent and talked up a quarterback competition that ended up not being a quarterback competition because as best as we can tell, Jacoby Brissett in the 2023 offseason did not receive a single first-team practice rep during OTA and minicamp practices. The first known instance in which Jacoby received any first-team practice reps with the commanders was during a training camp practice on August 7th. Uh, Then we had Ron in August officially naming Sam the QB1 and raving about Sam, raving about him as potentially being a franchise quarterback. Then we, starting in late October through November, had Ron Rivera constantly playing the Sam Howell card, mentioning Sam whenever possible, invoking the name Sam Howell whenever possible, telling us incessantly that this commander season was about Sam Howell. Perhaps the peak of this was November 20th. It was on November 20th that Ron, during his day after the game press conference off the 31-19 loss to the New York Giants at FedEx Field, hammered us with this theme of growth and development. Do you remember growth and development? Growth and development? Yes, growth and development. So we had that on November 20th, but just two weeks later, December 4th, Ron, during his day after the game press conference off the 45-15 loss to the Miami Dolphins at FedEx Field on December 3rd, pushed back on this narrative of growth and development. Then, two weeks later, December 18th, Ron, during his day after the game press conference off the 28-20 loss at the Los Angeles Rams on December 17th, strongly indicated that if the commanders were in playoff contention, Sam would not still be the team's starting quarterback. (laughs) Then, Ron, on December 28th, during a pre-practice press conference off the 30-28 loss at the New York Jets on December 24th, announced that Sam was no longer the team's starting quarterback, although he ended up being the team's starting quarterback for the entire season due to a hamstring injury for Jacoby Brissett late in the season. And now we have Ron saying that he regrets putting so much on Sam Howell. You got all that? (laughs) Can you make sense of all that? Neither can I. And you know what? 
neither can Ron. And that, in a nutshell, is a big reason why Ron's out of a job. Hey, if you enjoy this podcast, check out BGO Blind Pig, the official podcast of BGObsession.com. BGO Blind Pig is a roundtable discussion of all things Washington Commanders football. Lots of good and passionate Commanders conversation from Commanders fans who know the team well. You can find the BGO Blind Pig podcast on YouTube, on Apple Podcasts, or on any major podcast provider. Make BGObsession.com the home for your burgundy and gold obsession and make the BGO Blind Pig podcast one of your weekly DC football listens. And let's talk college basketball. Tough loss for Maryland on Wednesday night. The Terrapins were coming off their big 76-67 win at then number 10 Illinois this past Sunday afternoon. But the Terps for this season fell to 11-7 overall and 3-4 in the Big Ten with a 72-69 loss at Northwestern on Wednesday night. Uh, Now, Northwestern is a good team, but this was a game that could have been won by the Terps, uh, but was not won by the Terps. So the game was close throughout. Neither team led by more than two possessions for the entire game. Uh, The Terps lost despite a monster game by 6-1 point guard Jameer Young. He, in 33 minutes as a starter, scored 36 points, the most points by a Terps player in a conference game since Diamond Stone scored 39 points off the bench, no less, uh, in a 70-64 home win over Penn State all the way back on December 30th, 2015. Uh, Jameer Young went just one of four on threes, but also 11 of 15 on twos and 11 of 11 on free throws. He also had five assists versus one turnover, two steals and two rebounds, both of which were offensive boards. Uh, Jameer Young scored 28 of his 36 points in the second half, including a killer step back contested three from the left wing with the shot clock winding down to give the Terps a 67-66 lead with 29.8 seconds left in the second half. What a shot that was. Uh, Jameer Young is playing at a high level. This game marked Young scoring at least 20 points for the 10th time in 13 games. So a tremendous performance by Jameer Young. The Terps on Wednesday night were good on twos, but bad on threes and free throws. The Terps went 19-31 on twos, but just 6-17 of on threes and just 13-18 of on free throws. Uh, the Terps' defense was mixed. They held Northwestern to just 6-21 of on threes, but allowed Northwestern to go 18-34 of on twos and to generate 22 free throw attempts. Northwestern went 18-24 of 22 on free throws. Also, the Terps had a tough time with 6'2 Northwestern point guard Boo Booey. Uh, He, in 37 minutes as a starter, 2 of 5 on threes, 5 of 9 on twos, and 4 of 4 on free throws. He finished with 20 points, 7 assists versus 2 turnovers, and 4 rebounds. Uh, The Terps allowed Booey to connect on a driving layup for a 68-67 Northwestern lead with 20.2 seconds left in the second half. That was the final of the 11 lead changes in this game. Uh, And the Terps committed 13 turnovers to Northwestern 7. Uh, 6'9", Julian Reese committed at 6 of the Terps' 13 turnovers. Next up for Maryland, home to Michigan State, Sunday at noon. Also on Wednesday night was the Commonwealth Clash of Virginia Tech at Virginia, and Virginia won a 65-57 win at John Paul Jones Arena in Charlottesville, Virginia. The Cavaliers for this season improved to 12-5 overall and 3-3 in the ACC. The Hokies for this season fell to 10-7 overall and 2-4 in the ACC. The Cavs for this season also now are 10-0 at home versus just 2-5 away 
from home. The Cavs have been like two different teams this season. Uh, they, on Wednesday night, got back to playing their patented good defense. The Cavs held the Hokies to just 57 points, including just 18 points in the first half. The Cavs allowed the Hokies to go 11-30 on threes, but also just 10-24 on twos. The Cavs defended without fouling. Uh, they held the Hokies to just four free throw attempts the entire game. Tech went 4-4 on free throws. And the Cavs totaled 10 steals in generating 15 Hokies turnovers. A 6-1 Tech point guard Sean Padula, he committed seven turnovers in 32 minutes, 47 seconds as a starter, although he did have 18 points, six rebounds, and five assists. Uh, the Wahoos offense was mixed. The Hoos are not a good offensive team. They went just four of 14 on threes and just 11 of 16 on free throws, but did go 21 of 40 on twos and outscoring Tech in the paint 36-20. And the Hoos finished with 18 assists versus just seven turnovers. Uh, 6-3, Reese Beekman, he in 37 minutes, 48 seconds as a starter, went two of three on threes, four of 10 on twos, and two of three on free throws. He finished with 16 points, four steals, four assists, and four rebounds. Did commit four turnovers, but 6-8 Merrimack transfer Jordan Minor. He started for a second consecutive game. He was good. 26 minutes, 29 seconds as a starter. 5 of 8 from the field, all twos. A 6 of 8 on free throws. He finished with 16 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists versus 1 turnover and 2 steals. Also, 6-foot point guard and Georgetown transfer Dante Harris was back. Uh, he returned from a 10-game absence caused by an ankle injury. 16 minutes, 57 seconds off the bench. 5 assists versus no turnovers. So he scored five points, grabbed two rebounds, went 0-2 on threes, and just one of three on free throws, but also two of three on twos. Dante Harris is a guy who could help Virginia moving forward here. Here was UVA head coach Tony Bennett during his post-game press conference on Wednesday night. It was noticeable to have, well, Jordan's minor's physicality, in addition to him, and then, you know, the athleticism of Dante to to defend the ball at times or beat some screens and then touch the paint. And so that that was, you know, a long time coming. You know, we were patient and he, he worked hard in his rehab. It was a pretty nasty ankle sprain. So to have that against uh, the quality guards that, and we were going against, um, you know, uh, the, the two guards, Couture and Padula. I mean, those guys are un really hard. The way they run their stuff, come flying off of some ball screens, lead screen, DHO stuff, dribble handoff stuff is a challenge. So you need the quickness to try to stay with them. So Dante coming back and, you know, not practicing. He practiced about half the practice yesterday. He probably the practice before on um, Monday, maybe a, a quarter or a third was sore and he's been doing his rehab and that's about it. But he's like, I think it's good. We had him get this double check with the doctor and they cleared him. So it was important. Yeah, also in this game, the Hokies got back 6-3. Hunter Couture, he returned from a one-game absence caused by a head injury. 38 minutes, 23 seconds as a starter. 2-5 on threes, 3-5 on twos. He finished with 12 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists versus one turnover and two steals. Next up for Virginia at Georgia Tech, Saturday evening at 6. And next up for Virginia Tech at NC State, Saturday at noon. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Friday show, episode 744. We'll provide you with more on the Commanders, also on Friday's show. I'll talk Capitals and Wizards. The Caps are home to the St. Louis Blues Thursday night at 7. The Wizards are at the New York Knicks Thursday night at 7.30. The great rest of your Thursday, and I'll talk to you on Friday. And we always want to know yeah. one thing, what's causing all this? Yeah. Woo! Yeah.